everyone. This is the Scenic Views Podcast, and my dog picked now to come be an annoying ass. Get out of here. How's it going? It's Tuesday, not Wednesday. We moved days because Larry Sharp was kicking our butt. And who wants to compete with Larry? I mean, really. So we're not doing, us. We got a special guest today, but we also have Aaron's back after getting over the crap or whatever it is you had. Uh, and Dre's here always. So Dre, uh, you brought on this guest, so I'm going to let you introduce her while I go to produce. Alrighty. Well, tonight we have uh, Terry Lynn Coleman from New Orleans. How are you tonight, Terry? I'm fine. Uh, so I believe Scott met you at the national convention this year. Yes, I was given a package to go to the Libertarian National Convention, which I did take up, and I met a whole bunch of great people that I hadn't met. And yeah, I I met them at the wine bar, and they thought I might be um a good guest for the show. Awesome! Yeah, that was a really fun convention. That was my first national convention. Um, yeah. Mine too. You know, I um I started with the whole Ron Paul train back in 2000 something, and I actually worked for the Ron Paul campaign. I volunteered. I did door to door. I did robocalls. I met him in Baton Rouge, and I hung with that for a long time. And you know, over the last years, eased away. But I still, you know, I fell more into the anarchism and voluntarism but i still appreciate like i'm not one of those that's constantly just oh you know your status or whatever i appreciate the libertarian party for bringing me to where i'm at so i'm always going to keep all my friends in the libertarian party because i mean hey we are all on the same side absolutely uh i i that's a great outlook i really do not like the separatism within the party the pettiness and the infighting just drives me batty because we have bigger goals and we will get to those goals if we work together and stop with this shit within ourselves you know it's counterproductive it's so crazy like when i find myself being mean i remember being memes by the cantwell crew and now recently somebody else and i'm just like i'm just a regular person it makes me feel good i'm like dang so i've reached a level where people actually know who i am to make fun of me so yay awesome you know if if you don't have any haters you're doing something you're not doing anything you know that's what they say and you know there's some extent there's only 15 black anarchists in all of America, and I'm everybody's favorite, even though I don't look, you know, traditional. Like, I, that's my thing. That's what I say. I'm everybody's favorite black anarchist. I'm the one they use, they call when they want to make the racial points and all that stuff. And I don't mind. I let people use me for whatever because, hey, like I said, we all have the same goal. True, true. To some extent, I think I get some of the fighting, though. Like, I do. Well, well real fucking assholes. Like, for real, for real. Yeah. It's still it's petty petty petty. Petty. I'd say yeah, that it's a level that it's petty and ridiculous and, and meaningless. And I'm I think sometimes, it, especially on the internet, you guys, I think sometimes um, people who are passionate, who who believe very strongly sometimes especially with that medium right with social media when they're trying to communicate those things these these statements and these beliefs and things are coming from a place of passion but something gets lost in translation and when we head on social media a lot of times that passion translates into anger 
or disrespect when that wasn't necessarily the original intention. Um, at the same time, I, yeah, the, stuff, the name calling, that kind of stuff, that's just crap. Yeah. I'm terrible about starting arguments because I don't articulate well. I'm thinking too far ahead in the conversation and no one else is there yet. So I end up right. I end up insulting people. <laughs> that's that's my like cross to bear. I, I have to break that habit sooner rather than later. I um well I come from brutalism, so like I don't even argue with people anymore because like like I have on the Donovan Box shirts. I wore it for the podcast. I don't know if any of you knew Donovan, but he was like the father of brutalism, just like fuck you. You're a fucking faggot. Shut the fuck up. But he would do that to troll people into logic. And so that was brutalism for us, whatever. We just brutal with what we say. But like that was like early on, you know. 14, 13, we are um, 2014, 2013. And like, I, I just kind of evolved past all that to the point where I don't even argue with people. I'm just like, okay, no, you make your point, you state your logic, you show them their logical fallacy and move forward because, you know, if they want to get it, they will. If they don't, they won't. But I was actually trolled into anarchism. Right. Like, I was really trolled by Kyron Pearson. I don't know if y'all know Kyron Pearson, the other famous mm -hmm. anarchist, but yeah, he trolled me into complete logic but yeah i don't argue online anymore i it, it's funny to me i see the young the young newbies they come in with so much anger and they just want to know but at the same time they're angry and they want to make fun and make memes of people i'm just like whatever hey, we, it takes a lot of effort to like, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just because I'm getting old and crotchety and I don't have enough time for social media anymore, but it takes way too much effort to, to do like the angry libertarian thing anymore for me. And I, I probably was that asshole three or four years ago, but at this point it's like, yeah. I'm going to drink my shitty diet Dr. Pepper and, and go play Civ 5. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> I've seen people memed in like really horrible ways though. Um, it, it, I'm, I'm kind of glad some of them that it happened because it gave me an opportunity to learn from some people who really know how to roll with this shit. Right. You know, like somebody will make a horrible meme about somebody I know. And I'm like, Oh my fucking God. I bet, I bet so-and-so is losing their damn mind right now. So you reach out and they're like, nah, man, that shit's funny. I've, they need to step up their game. They got my hair wrong. They misquoted me, whatever. Um, what I really said was don't do that shit. You fucking ass at all. They forgot the fucking part. Right. So it, it's a good opportunity to learn when it's somebody who can handle it. Yeah. I just always worry about the people that can't and the people that are new that inadvertently stepped they into that. Shit. Like, oh, man, that shit's funny. I they need to step up their game. They got my hair long. They miss yeah. Whatever. Um, what I really said. What the hell was that? I was watching the video. Sorry, I started a watch party. All right. So um, we didn't really pick a lot of topics today because we kind of wanted to roll through some cultural stuff. Uh, now, is it Terry or Terry Lynn? I'm sorry, I should have asked this in the pre-show. Terry and half of the community know me as Tallulah because that's my alias and my pinup name, but it's Terry. Okay. So uh, I would like for you to intro this story because I, I 
peripherally heard about it, but I haven't really paid that much attention to the news other than kind of laughing about this a little bit. So can you kind of kind of dive us in on this? <clears throat> well, it's just it was um the one of the stars of the show Empire was being written off of the series and that's a really huge show in the black community or whatever. So he decided to stage um, a hate crime. And he said that two white guys um, poured bleach on him and put a noose on his neck and they were wearing MAGA hats. And what really happened was he paid two Nigerians $3,500 to beat him up because he was being written off the show. So he outsourced it to actual Africans <laughs> in Black History Month. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's creating African jobs. Yeah, or something. The diaspora, you know. So I have a question, and this is for anyone, because I, I, I asked someone else this a couple of days ago, and no one really had a great answer, other than Charlottesville, which was terrible. Um, all of all of the big, high-profile racial incidents that I've heard of. Um, seem to have been hoaxes. Is there one that we that we have missed or that I've missed? Have any of these been true? Someone posted today, there's an actual site called Fake Hate Crimes that has all documented um, when people call the police or like when that one girl um, wrote spray painted the N-word all over her car because she wanted um, a, a new truck or whatever. She wanted the insurance. But there's a website that lists all the fake hate crimes that have been caught. So I'm not even sure what it is, though. That's good. Also, Andy, um, I don't know how you say this last name, NGO. Uh, he's a independent journalist. I actually asked him to come on our show. He's a little bit too big for us already, but he has also documented them. There's been like 27 this year or with like in the last several months or something like that. And he has them just documented in like one article or something. If you search for Andy, NGO. That's it's yeah. really fun that the hatred for Trump really fuels this. We see it every time there's a Republican president who is, you know, framed as being a racist, even though we know Trump's not a racist. He just plays the role. He was a New York Democrat his whole life. You know what I'm saying? But it just speaks to how indoctrinated and brainwashed people really are. And that's why I say, yeah, we have to stick together, you know, as the whole liberty community, because like people are dumb as fucking shit. Like for real, like they really believe that Trump is this racist that that's going to build the wall. They're not going to build no fucking wall. Like that's just all to get people upset, you know? I mean, that's how I feel about it. The wall's already been downgraded to a fence, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're never gonna build a wall, like, come on. Continue. I mean, I think, I don't remember if we posted this one yet or, or not, but there's that meme where it's like, uh, the Republicans having control of Congress for <laughs> a couple years with Obama and then with Trump. And you know the wall was never that big of a deal until now. Democrats get one of the one of the chambers of Congress, and suddenly, oh, we need a national emergency. It's it's red meat for the base. That's all it is. They're not going to well, build it's, that it's, thing. It's political dick measuring, and it's what they always do. And yeah. it's why 
many of our founding fathers warned against a two-party system because as long as the two-party system stands this this political dick measuring man we ain't seen nothing yet so it i wonder though, gonna- like other other countries that have um multi-party like england springs to mind first because they do technically have three fairly powerful parties if you include ukip which is kind of a weird party but um they kind of do the same thing so i don't know if if like i'm obviously against the two-party system that we have i don't know if having more parties is really going to make that that much better i mean we have the green party we have the libertarian party we have whatever um the guy with the with the hat was the Vermin supreme whatever party he was in. <laughs> i think he's running libertarian this cycle um, the thing yeah. is though yeah the parties exist but we are still essentially a two-party system the duopoly mm-hmm. takes a hold on the ballot so you know the and and on legislation so it we still operate as as a two-party system other parties are growing and i hope that continues i mean and social it, media will change all this i mean you know well it a free social media will if facebook keeps fucking everything up maybe not that's my concern mm. right but new media could in things like this podcast and other podcasts and terry speaking out and doing her live streams and, and reaching out to people that's new media and new media can right i mean i i would say um like we kind of missed an opportunity in no one it seems like no one when uh dave rubin was switching parties uh a couple years back and like he interviewed um peterson at some point and he interviewed gary johnson but i mean did did the libertarian leadership reach out to him when he was basically converting and bringing a hundred thousand people with him i wasn't in leadership i can't answer that Cause like that to me is the frustrating part because that is what I have the problem I have with the way the LP functions at the the leadership level is uh, I would if I was like a what what you are Aaron or um, maybe Josh I would have been hammering and I know Josh would do this now and you would too. I would have been hammering him on Twitter every day, like, hey, you should have me come on. We'll talk about the LP and uh, what suggestions you think we can implement to grow and, and you know, have a back and forth about it. And I didn't see any of that. Well, yeah, you know that I, I want to see libertarians everywhere. Right? I wanted to see a group of friends from a county party um, go on the amazing race and wear your libertarian swag. I want to see all kinds of passive marketing like that. I think we need to be everywhere. I saw Chrissy Wickers today. Shout out to Chrissy um, in her Libertarian Party T-shirt uh, and her Price is Right sticker, hoping she gets called down to the stage. I mean, go places and do things. And, and, and yeah, yeah, we would have. But not every celebrity, not everyone with reach is a good target for that. And I think it's easy to get caught up in that when we're sitting on the outside fringes going, hey, we want leadership to reach out to everybody and their brother. Um, and at the same time, make sure you're keeping the lights on and increasing fundraising. And so th- th- there's a whole lot to do for. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was just an example of someone who was already like really swinging our way and was starting to call himself a libertarian. Uh, I right. just feel like we completely like 
as much as I I don't like Sarlark and I think he might have slightly embarrassed us, he should have gotten himself on that show. I Which mean, one? he may have tried. Not publicly. We would have noticed. And that's how you that's how you get work on shows like that. You go yeah. public with it. And the thing is, like, Ruben's kind of a left libertarian, so it would have been a good fit. Yeah. That would have been... That would have been, so been perfect. Yeah. Because, yeah. So I want to back up, actually, because there's something you said a, a few minutes ago, Terry, that um, because I was a little not paying attention during the Bush years, you were talking about uh, we see a lot of hoaxes with Republican presidents. Yeah. Was, was that a thing with Bush? Because I, I don't I don't think I paid enough attention to know. I, I don't I didn't know. But I can say, you know, from living in the black community, it was always just the conversation Bush is a racist. That was always the conversation. The same conversation that they have right now about Trump being a racist. It was the same conversation. Oh, Bush is. If you remember Kanye West, George Bush doesn't like black people. Come on. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna ask how, how does that play out when he's when he's talk, like hanging out with Trump on one hand, but he's the guy that was doing the whole George Bush hates black people about Katrina. I'm saying like, you gotta hand it to uh, what's his face standing next to him just. He's just like, oh, fuck, what do I do with this? I remember that. <laughs> Look, growing up in a Democratic, in, in a very blue state just outside of Detroit, that's kind of the mantra, though, right? Is that every Republican is a racist. Every Republican is a racist. There is no such thing as a black Republican. Like, it's like, just uh, most, my core... My core Liberty friends live, they're Yankees. Like, they're Yankees. They're all, you know, Boston and California. And they would all visit me, you know, in the South. And it's like, it's just a different type of thing down here. Like, us, I was saying this the other day. Like, they would see Black people on horses and be like, I've never seen a Black person on a horse. Wow. And I'm like. You've never seen a black person on heart. It's like it's different. You have black Republicans here. You have black conservatives here. You see that. You know what I'm saying? But they will still sit down and maybe say George Bush is a racist, knowing that they're probably going to vote Republican. Like it's just it's a crazy dynamic in the South. Especially I can't tell how many times I heard Alan Keyes called Uncle Tom a million times. <laughs> I remember that. Yep. Um, I mean, how many times have I been called a coon? Oh my God! And Kyron, we're coons. We're trash pandas. We're why are y'all talking that white folks shit? Yeah, I'm like Liberty. We want you to be free, my dude. What are you talking about? We want you to be free. Yep. How is that white folks shit? Well, it might be. <laughs> it might be. It might be. If that's how you feel, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, I I. So that I had not heard the term white people shit until like two weeks ago. And I'm I'm still like I still giggle when I hear it now because it's just funny to me. Dude, where have <laughs> you been? Like told that my whole life because right, okay, so I look like this, obviously. I don't look like a traditional black person, but I grew up knowing I was black. 
But, you know, I did do the goth stuff. I do my pinup stuff. I listen to country music. I listen to other types of me. I do, you know, I'm multifaceted. You know, I'm not a stereotypical hood ghetto project ass bitch, even though I do have that side to me. You know what I'm saying? And so that's that white folk shit my whole life. Oh, look at her. That's just that white folk shit. Don't pay no attention to her. She's cool. Um, that phrase won't get old to me. I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, I was just—I had a question. What was it? The South. Okay, go. So you—you're from the South. Uh, roughly what part? I don't want to like out you or anything, but it's fine. Um, I was born in Mississippi, where I'm at now. As as a kid, I moved to New Orleans, and I spent like over 22 decades down there. That's where I got married. That's where I had my kids. Like that's my home. Recently, last year, I started divorcing my husband and came back to Mississippi to get away from him. And so I'm in Mississippi right now. I'll probably be moving somewhere else soon. I don't know. But I plan on leaving again. But yeah, New Orleans is my home. And it's like a country unto itself. I'm sure y'all kind of experienced it for the convention, but it's it's not like any other place. Like, you know, it's it's a culture. It's a whole yeah. culture. And if you didn't know, there's a whole section of black people down there that look like me. Like there's a whole community of them, and they were the free people of color, and they all stayed with each other and mixed. So all their kids look like me, and all their other kids look like me. And that's just so I can look at a person like how you said you never would have knew. I would have knew by looking at me, but I see how other people wouldn't, especially. Having the blonde hair, no. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, and thank you for not taking offense to that. <laughs> it's funny to me because other okay. people, tell me, even the people close to me, and I'm just like, I don't see it. I see it a little bit. I don't see it. I don't know. Tar- Tarnell Brown is asking, who doesn't listen to country music? This guy. Tarnell, shut mm-hmm. up. Tarnell, Tarnell, Tarnell knows country music. <laughs> Our former uh, executive director, and she would have, she, I can't. Ever envisioned her listening to country music? I I would rather listen to Heather's death metal than country, personally. Okay, so I only listen to certain country. All right, outlaw country <laughs> and stuff from the sixties, seventies, eighties, and early nineties. That stuff they have now, I don't know what that is. It's crap. Stadium country. They have rap country. I don't even know oh, what yeah, that is. That, that's shit. <laughs> yeah, that's good times. That's good times. <laughs> so, um, so here's the thing. I I came into this this specific uh, podcast not knowing anything about you because I thought it would be more interesting to find out on the show. So, can you tell us, tell me at least, a little bit more about you, like the stuff that you do? Because. Um, uh, Scott said that uh, you were really like you had a lot of projects that you were working on that were interesting. I just wear pretty dresses and philosophize. I mean, <laughs> I, don't know. I I I don't know. Like I bake cakes. I'm a baker a little bit. I do cannabis cakes and alcohol cakes. And what was I doing at the time? I don't know. I'm always doing something. I'm an ordained minister in the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. I got ordained um, to Mary Gay Matthews. I haven't done that since I've been up here, but I did a lot in New Orleans. I um, 
I don't know. I've just been trying to regroup my whole life since I came up here and figure out what I'm going to do. If I want to open some type of business, I don't know. I was trying to learn how to sew, but that wasn't working out too well because I wanted to try to make dresses like a voluntary clothing line with just pinup dresses, all yellow and black. But that shit got old. Like, I was like, this ain't working. I can't oh. sew. <laughs> I might I still really buy one. So, I don't know. I mean, well, I I'm a normal person that people just seem to like me. I don't know. I don't know why. They just, people just like me. So I kind of got a little, a little popular. I think it was the thing where everybody would refer back to me when they were trying to make the racial argument on Facebook. And then they were like, what the fuck is this bitch talking about? Like, oh, well, she is black. Okay, let me shut up. Like, <laughs> so, so you're saying that the uh, a bunch of libertarians were using you as a shield? <laughs> they use me to make the point coming from a culture that okay. So if it's a white person arguing with another white person, what are they gonna do? They're gonna try to call in somebody that's not white. No, can articulate the point they're trying to make, and then it's kind of like they can't. You know, you can't argue with that. What what can you argue? You know, how can you argue back with that? It's very different with when we're arguing with with say black people who are statists and argue because they're like oh just fuck you coon like type shit <laughs> how do you feel about that though, about when somebody says about that to you Terry, what do you say i laugh that's hilarious oh i'm being called coon again what is it like i don't i don't get angry anymore it's all i laugh at everything online like it's funny well, yeah, I would imagine that would either like stop a conversation in its tracks or just escalate it where it didn't even need to go. No, I don't get angry. Like I can go all day. I've, uh, I could go with them all day. It's just too taxing. You know what I'm saying now? Like I'm oh, at the point where I say okay and let it go because I don't want to mess up my energy because like I'm trying to be real chill, you know, and I don't want to get wrinkles. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine if you did that a few times in class, you're like, okay. Yeah, never heard that before. <laughs> Ooh, hurt me. Erin, you were trying to ask a question at the same time. What, what were you trying to say? How do you feel about that, though, when you get pulled into those arguments to be, to, to kind of be the example or uh, the... Oh, I don't... Get, I, getting pushed... I, <laughs> I'm the token black. I've accepted my role as long as we're getting the message across. I've accepted my role as token black. And I usually tag a couple of more. I'll tag Kyra and I'll tag some of my other black anarchist friends. So I'm just like, hey, it's not just me. Hey, it's a bunch of us. You know what I'm saying? But I know I'm the token because, and even they use me, even they use me, even my black anarchist friends, because they're like, yeah, Terry, you got something you can sell, look at your face, look at your body, we're going to use you. I'm like, all right, yeah, all right. It's cool. That that shows a level of comfort, like, inter, like you've, you've looked inside of yourself and said, I'm okay with this. I'm uh, with it. Like, I understand no. that. My look is gonna sell. It's gonna make people pay attention. You know what I'm saying? And what do we want people to do? Pay attention. And it feels like kind of what you're saying is that that to you the movement and the goals of the movement are bigger than you and they're more important than you. So you're cool with making a sacrifice. 
I'm cool with it. Like, because it doesn't bother me one way or the other because there's nothing they can say to me that I haven't heard before. I mean, I like I said, I lived through brutalism and came out on the other end. It was great. Like, I, I've been memed. I've been called mud shark, coal burner. And then just to top it off, like, by the way, I'm black. You look real stupid now. Because they seen pictures of me with my kids and they just assumed whatever, whatever. But yeah, those are some of my favorite ones, though. The mud shark, the coal burner memes. I, I don't get those. I, I, don't, I don't. I maybe I'm not making the right connection here. I don't know what that means. Are you not familiar with those terms, Zach? No. A mud shark is, and a coal burner is a white woman that only dates black men. Oh. Okay. Those are extremely derogatory terms. Like they sound horrible. With yeah. I'm laughing, but they sound horrible with me saying it. What it is. But they also sound so dumb. Because you could have just looked through my, I have pictures of my parents and everything. Like you could have just looked through uh, pictures of my aunt, my grandmother, all that's on my Facebook page. Like if you would have just looked a little harder. Man, you got you got Tarnell down here like trolling. Did, he is trolling. Tell Tarnell to go pray to baby white Jesus and leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have a, a war in the comment section between him and Tom. Oh boy. <laughs> Tarnell was running Tom's campaign. What's that? Tarnell was running Tom's um campaign for whatever he was running mm -hmm. for. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. So Jerry, as as an anarchist in the liberty movement, um I know, and it pops up all the time, right? And so as an anarchist, you're probably used to it, used to kind of rolling with it. But how do you feel about the whole anarchists have no place in the Libertarian Party kind of stance that pops up from time to time? I mean, half the Libertarians don't like each other. I mean, there was infighting at the convention among, you know, leaders. So I don't care. Like, I mean, you're not going to be able to argue with me and win, so it really don't matter. And, and it's not chasing you out, clearly. It's not. No, I fuck with people that fuck with me. So if, if the Libertarian Party fucks with me, I fuck with the Libertarian Party. It is what it is, you know? Good deal. I mean, that I, I won't lie. That attitude uh, is why I'm not involved in the state anymore. Because certain candidates don't like ANCAPs or even minarchists. And uh, there wasn't a whole lot of sticking up for those people going on, so. Well, usually it's because they believe that, that it affects their electability. And mm -hmm. I, I I guess I have a different take on it. I think that we've had some, some fabulous politicians, um, some fabulous office holders, some fabulous people run for office. But I... I would argue that that anarchism doesn't affect your electability, but their inability to properly articulate anarchism. That's why we push for volunteerism as the word, as the name, because anarchism has all these negative connotations that come with chaos. And so that's why we push voluntarism and consent as being, you know, the pillars of what it stands for. We are 
you know, is do you consent? Basically, consent is the bottom line to everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. I think that, you know, we were trying to, it's trying to, like how when gay people recoin the term gay, you know, because it meant happy. I think we've done pretty well with, you know, just saying voluntarism because, I mean, it sounds better. Voluntary, voluntarism. I mean, that's, I don't use capitalism anymore in arguments. I'll, I'll talk about free market economics because one note, like capitalism is something that socialists started calling us. It's a dirty word. Yeah. It's, 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 not, it's not worth defending. I'm looking at Milton Friedman's book right here, Capitalism and Freedom, and I could literally hand that to somebody and say, read this, and they're going to be like, capitalism and freedom? That's a dirty word. Like, I don't want to, you know, especially these younger kids. The younger generation, they are really fucking commies. Like, they are really just... Well, which one? Which which younger generation? Because, like, that's true of millennials, but uh, Gen Z is actually really... They're trying to say conservative, but they're actually more libertarian uh, because they're they're kind of right wing economically and but still don't care about what people do in the bedroom. So I, I actually think Gen Z is going to be a good generation for us. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm I'm more yes. I'm more familiar with millennials. I guess because I had more time with them online, more time, you know. But and I guess I just don't pay attention to people who are that much younger than millennials. Yeah. Yeah, like Gen Z is just now graduate. Like the first ones are graduating high school and going into college. So we'll see. We'll see if it holds because college is a good way to fuck all of that up. Yeah, like I'm old enough to be their mom type of shit. <laughs> well, hopefully the majority of them go to trade school or you know figure something else out. And that's, that's what I push for my kids because I do have kids and I'm like you know. Pulling y'all out of school in eighth grade. I want we're gonna homeschool from there and then trade school. Then if you want to go to college, go to college. And I don't know how they don't feel no type of way about that because they want to play sports, but it's like I've tried to set them up there, already. There's not school. many states where you can't play sports as a homeschool. This is something I had to look I had to know because I was homeschooled and I wanted to play sports, but you get yeah. Uh, well you, yeah, you can play sports, but you can't you're unlikely to get uh college scholarships at scholarships, things like that, playing sport as a home sport. It, so here's the thing. Yes, but that's because not many homeschoolers play sports. Um, if you have you in most states, you are allowed to play for the team that uh, your tax dollars go to, essentially. So uh, if we homeschooled our girls when we get them, and they, they would be able to play sports for Bellevue West. But the district um, that you live in and pay your property taxes go toward the school, right? Right. Yeah. So you, so you get to, you get to play on that team. And if you're good enough, you'll get the scholarship. Colleges don't fucking care. They actually like, <laughs> depending on the, the degree path, colleges like homeschoolers. If it's STEM or business, they like homeschoolers. They just don't like them so much. Because Coming they focus on whatever they were going to major in. Yeah. But that availability varies greatly by state. It does. There's some states that we need to keep that fight going in. Uh, it's basically they, they're called Tebow laws, but they were they were fights that we were having. He just made it kind of a big deal for us to have those fights. So, it. But I mean, I think you know, like everybody's like homeschool, homeschool. 
I was in a position to homeschool and I was going to, but my kids were in a great charter school learning mm-hmm. Spanish and I couldn't teach them Spanish. But I feel like I helped the school because it's always good when you have, I was those parents. Oh, that's that mom. Because I was coming to the school, you know, they didn't say the Pledge of Allegiance. You don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. You don't put your hand on your heart. You don't this, you don't that, you don't this. So I was always up there. And I think I kind of actually helped the school out because like my, I'm not trying to start a whole conversation about vaccines, but my kids were not vaccinated up until that point. So what I did was I took, um, I made a waiver and took it to the school because I'm like, it's legal for me to give you this waiver to show why they're not, you know, because it's my right to say, I don't want my kids vaccinated. And the next year they had taken my waiver and turned it into a consent form to give to all of the parents. So it's like, it's always good to have free thinkers in the schools, even though they always stay homeschooled. But I do plan on homeschooling my kids. I think they always say homeschool, charter school, you know, private school, if you can, you know, because those are also really good alternatives to the brainwashing mouth. Yeah. Here's the thing. Well, and there's going to be some uh, Arvin Vora types who have, you know, I think a fairly valid opinion that, that public schools are are garbage. Um, but at the same time, like, uh, one of the people who works in the foundation, Scott, is a school teacher. Uh, he does a wonderful job of being a good teacher and helping to educate children in a shitty environment. And I, I think that sometimes... Um, libertarians and liberty people lose sight of of the concept of fighting battles where they're able to be fought uh to me we have to to fight these battles who else is going to do it nobody right so like i i would say if someone wants to be a teacher uh i've heard a lot of libertarians like tell people you know you don't want to be a teacher unless you can get into a private school don't teach in public school i say go to public school teach there let be that one person that is like a legitimate cares, uh, is, is trying to instill some real values in, into kids. Like be that good person. One teacher that's not an entire a complete commie in a child's, yeah. you know. Like be, and you know, this is me kind of tying it back to, go ahead, Aaron. Here's the Zach, there are so many libertarians that are right now have their panties in, in a huge knot over what you just said, right? But so many of them at one point or another have been those libertarians that said um, maybe it would be better for us to try to infiltrate the Republican Party and work within the current system to change the system. Right. So you're okay with it there. But when we try to go, what if we tried that at schools or what if we tried that in hospitals or what if we tried that in whatever they get their panties in a knot? You don't get it both ways. I, I think that um, so I think that the the far left in America is stronger than it's ever been because they went they went back after communism fell in the USSR and they said how can we win and that well we'll go teach the next three generations to be more progressively far left wing so if we want to combat that we have to go where minds are still forming. And fight the battles there because if we don't fight them, if we're waiting for these people to hit 25 before we start giving them libertarianism, 
Sorry, people don't change that much after 25. It's very hard to change someone's political beliefs that way. That's that's way too late, but you have to get them before they make it to college. College is a is a fucking liberal cesspool of leftist garbage. Like it's ridiculous. Like I worked at two universities in New Orleans and I would uh, walk by and there would be like um feminizing quotes on on the wall like famous feminist bullshit and i worked at a black catholic college yeah it was crazy it was crazy how left wing it was and yeah that you have to get to them before they get to college because they're impressionable i mean if they have any type of sense maybe they'll catch on you know when they get that first summer job and get that paycheck and see those taxes but not everybody will. Most people just want to go along and do what their parents say, get a job, you know, whatever, whatever, do the whatever they're supposed to do. And later they figure out, hey, this is fucked up. Maybe I should have did this or did that. But no, definitely college is really college. The, the majority of people and I hate to say this and my friend Chris says this all the time. The majority of people need to be told what to think. And we are all here just trying to make people think for themselves when a whole bunch of them aren't ever going to think for themselves. Yeah. So I knew this would happen as soon as I said it. Uh, ben <laughs> Boren, I changed it 25. Thank you. Thank you for being the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> it's well, very rare for people to change their political affiliation after a certain point. 25 is a good cutoff. I grew up hearing my mom say, if you want to change the world, you do it through your children. Um, yeah. and, and we know when we look at different different governments and when we look at history, this is how things happen, right? You do it th through, through the children, through the youth. Look at the, the movements, the, the civil rights movement, the anti-war movement. It was all young people that spearheaded I mean, that. A lot of Hitler coming to power was through Young, the young generation. Young, come on, yeah. the little <clears throat> Like that was a real thing, and they wanted to go do that shit. They were ready yeah. to go. Oh, we're going to the Hitler Youth yeah. Camp. So it's it like it's good and bad. Know? Like, however, however, whatever. Go ahead. I said for a long time that you know every high school, every junior high school, every middle school in the country, every presidential election has a mock election. They all do. And for a long time, I have said, I really wish the Libertarian Party would just produce a PDF version sample ballot, um, one for each state, and just do your statewide offices in, in the presidential election, right? Produce it as a PDF and email it to every public school in the country and say to them, we understand resources are tight. We know you want to properly educate our kids. We know you want to give them a lesson in this experience. So because of that, we provided this ballot for you. Please feel free to use it and freely distribute it to your students. That's all we would have to do to get libertarian candidates' names on ballots in front of students every year. It, it would be so easy. How do we know that they would actually distribute them, though? I mean, they could be like, okay, thanks, and then psh. Look, you don't, and it's a PDF, and half of them probably won't. But if five of them do... Good point. If five of them. I, I will definitely. Um, I totally didn't hear what she just said. It would cost us nothing. Right. Nothing. Okay. 
You know what? I I'm on board with that idea. I will totally do that the next election cycle. You know, maybe our foundation could do it. I'll do it as DCLP chair. If not, if the foundation won't, so yeah, do it in, in your I'm, county. I'm sure that's something we can work together on. Um, so it, we're hitting about 8:45. Normally, we would go a little bit longer, but it's it's storming in Nebraska. And my wife drives a Chevy Cruze that the turbo is out on. So I'm going to go take the four-wheel drive and pick her up. Uh, Terry, would you like to say anything on our way out? I mean, I get it. <laughs> Sounds like a good way to go out. For... Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on. If you're not familiar with Terry... I haven't seen any of her stuff if you haven't come across her on Facebook yet, man. Look her up. There's good stuff there. There's good stuff in between all the ratchetosity. <laughs> I love that's it. The good, that's the good stuff, too. <laughs> all right. So we'll see y'all next week. Next week, uh, I pulled a surprise on everyone, and Josh Smith is coming on to talk about the documentary he's filming and to boost our numbers because he always does that. So we'll see y'all.